This is Money, Motivation, and Mike, and I am your host, Michael Wainwright, in charge of all the controls and the mothership, audio engineer Jason Wright. And hello to you, world. This is the show that will change your life. It definitely will today because we're talking about taxes, something that everybody in this country has to do. You can contact us at info at mx3.vip and find all of our content at mx3.vip or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at MX3 Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the icon bell to get notified of all of our new content, which comes out every Monday morning around 9 o'clock. Okay, as I said, and I skipped through it last week because we had um, that re- the report coming out on uh, the Uvalde shooting at the, at, the, at the elementary school. So now we're moving on here to what uh, the, the task at hand. And actually... This is a good time to do it as we come in here to the end of the January 2024 timeline when most of your tax documents will be getting released to you. Uh, They have to be in the mail by January 31st. Now, we all know that lots of times now with companies that you work for, you now can log into your online portal, your employer employee portal and pull down your W-2. So don't forget that. But for you house uh, uh, um, owners who have a mortgage, lots of times those mortgage companies don't send them out to the 31st. That that would be a big hiccup. The banks, I still see the banks not sending out their 1099 dividend, their 1099 interest statements until the latter part of the month. So don't get ahead of yourself and try to file because you think you have everything when maybe there's another item you don't because, yes, Amendments are right there for you, and it's a great document that you'll be able to amend your return to get the return correct. But let me tell you, amendments take a long, long time. Right now at the Internal Revenue Service, amendments are taking six to eight months to be processed. So if you go out and file your taxes early on and an amendment needs to be made for you to to receive an additional refund you're six to eight months away from getting that refund. So basically, it's towards the end of the year that you are having to do the amendment. Uh, so just make sure that it's, it, there's nothing wrong with waiting a few more days, a week, to make sure you have all your documents. And most people who know they have a refund coming, they want to file the day they get their W-2 because they want to get that refund on the way back. So please be patient and work through that. Now, I've got a few things here that I want to discuss about what's what what changes we've had uh, going into the tax year 2023, being prepared here in 2024, and 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 what's involved in and may maybe changing your that the the final resort of your tax return result whenever you go out to do your tax return. So right now, the 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 initial tax rate. The, the day you receive a dollar worth of earned wages or, or, or earned income, let's say, it doesn't have to be earned wages. The very first day you receive a dollar, you owe 10%. Now, as a single father, that's zero to $11,000 at 10%. So you can make $11,000 or your taxable income be $11,000 because you have your deductions, your taxable income up to $11,000 for a single filer and married filing jointly couples up to 22,000 you will pay 10%. Now, the next tax bracket for single is $11,001 and 
up to 41725 and then it's just a double for the married, $20,001 and $1 to $89,450, your tax bracket jumps to 12%. So not a big jump there, 2%. You still would like to have the two, but you can make 41000 virtually 42000 single, and and right at 90000 for a married filing co- uh, jointly couple and pay 10 to 12%. Now, the big jump starts for a single person at 44726 and 89451 when you go to 22%. So a married filing jointly couple with a couple of incomes coming in over $100,000 after deductions and your taxable income ends up being $100,000, you have to realize that the first uh, that that the last $10,549 is going to be taxed at 22% because everything over 89,451 is taxed at 22%. And then from there on, the 24%, the 32%, 35 and 37. How do I get to the 37% tax bracket, which is where you all want to be because that means you're making more money. Single filers have to pay 37%. Once they go over $578,126 and married filing jointly couples have to pay 37%. Once they go over $693,251. Now for a goal for a lot of people in this country, I want to, and, and you, how much money would you like to make? I want to make a quarter of a million dollars. I don't want to make a 10th of a million or 20% of a million That number is, I want to make a quarter of a million because you get to use the word million. So if one of your goals is to make a quarter of a million dollars, as a married filing jointly couple, anything above 190,761 would get taxed at 24%. And anything above $182,101 for single filers would get taxed at 32%. So if you're coming in that quarter of a million dollar category, that, that, that's what you'll be looking at. So keep that in mind. Now, like I say, uh, $100,000 earners for the whole household, and you get above 89000 you need to be t- thinking about how I can do things to reduce uh, my taxable income so I am not paying that 22% tax bracket and getting myself back down to twelve. Tax brackets are always on irs.gov, or you can always call into our office, which is 903-463-3121, and we'll help you in our tax office with any of your questions and comments about uh, any of your income tax needs. Now, the standard deduction increased this year. So for right now, for the year 2023, single filers, your your tax deduction is, uh, your standard deduction, standard deduction is $13,850. Head of household individuals, uh, and uh, and head of household, you're you're not married, you have a dependent, or maybe you don't have a dependent, but you have someone living in your house that qualifies you for head of household. Your standard deduction is twenty thousand eight hundred dollars, and then married filing jointly couples is twenty seven thousand seven hundred dollars for the tax year twenty twenty three. If you are over sixty five years of age, you get an additional. $1,500. And if you're over 65 and blind, you get $3,000 per person. Now stop right there and think about this. I'm over, I'm not over 65, but I am blind. I don't get a $1,500 deduction. Makes no sense. Why do I have to be 65 to get an additional deduction? People that are born, born blind all day. People go blind 
every day, but they don't get the deduction. You got to be 65 to get the deduction for being blind. I'm not really sure that they thought that through. They, they, they the federal government, when they stipulated a, a deduction for a blind individual. Okay. <clears throat> Your itemized deductions, as we just went over the standard deductions. Now, Getting into itemized deductions, obviously, obviously uh, it has gotten very, very more difficult over the last several years because the standard deduction has increased greatly uh, to basically, I don't want to say phase out standard deductions. It's just harder, uh, harder to do when it comes to trying to itemize your deductions. So what are the things that typically can get you to that standpoint? Well, first of all, is your state and local and sales tax and property taxes. Now, these all go. Now, obviously, there's not every state has a state income tax, but you automatically get a sales tax credit, a sales tax deduction, excuse me, for based on your income. When you file your tax turn, it's automatically calculated to give you a sales tax uh, deduction. Now, you go out and buy a large ticket item, let's say a new vehicle, and the sales tax that you pay on that vehicle is in addition to your 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 deduction you get for sales tax based on your income. So don't forget that when you're doing it. Your property taxes, of course, is the big one here when it comes to taxes that you can deduct on your itemized deduction schedule A sheet. Unfortunately, a couple of years ago, the federal government reduced taxes, state, local, sales tax, property tax to $10,000. So if all your taxes add up to be $14,000, you only get to take 10, which is extremely difficult how over the last year or two, property values have increased greatly in the United States of America. And our IRS, our federal government, our, our, our congressmen and senators has not followed suit by helping us with our tax deduction on our Schedule A. Mortgage interest. That's another big deduction that most people get to take if they can uh, file for itemized deductions, but don't forget your mortgage interest deduction. And <clears throat> it doesn't become limited until you have two things, $750,000 in debt with what you owe on your house. Uh, and if you had a million dollars or more in mortgage debt, then you will not be able to take most of the time. You could be, but most of the time you will not be able to take that deduction. Medical expenses, everybody believes that they can take medical expenses as a deduction. You certainly can, but it is harder. It, it's always been difficult. I shouldn't say harder than before. It's always been difficult to take medical expenses because medical expenses is subject to a 7.5% floor of your adjusted gross income. So if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, the first 7.5% or $7,500, if you will, is not deductible. So if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, you have to have $7,501 worth of medical deductions to be able to take the first deduction. So you can see you have to have some major medical expenses to be able to take medical expense deductions. And remember, it's got to go on the itemized deduction sheet, which is where the other things that we are continuing to talk about are. So just because you get to $7,501, on my $100,000 example, still doesn't mean you get to take the dollar deduction for being over 7500 But it is in there, and, 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 and hopefully 
And we pray that most people won't have medical expenses to a degree where they get to take that deduction. That's what we would hope and pray for everybody. Now, charitable contributions is is the is the next big one. The the three big ones are, are property taxes, mortgage interest, and charitable contributions. So in 2023, um, the in, the annual income tax deduction limits for gifts to charitable contributions, charities, church, etc. It's 30% of your adjusted gross income for contributions of non-cash. So you make $100,000, you can only do non-cash contributions up to $30,000. And and for cash, it's 60, 60%. So you make $100,000 this year, and you give that whole $100,000 away. You only can take 60% of that as a deduction on your Schedule A itemized deduction uh, expenses. Just remember that moving forward, um, there are no miscellaneous deductions allowed anymore. So those are your deductions that help you get to itemized deductions. But remember this, your first two numbers that you have of interest is being able to hit what the standard deduction is for individuals and and what, what, what the standard deduction is for a married filing jointly which is 13,850 and 27,700. Those are your two main numbers that most of us get affected by. Moving into the IRA and the 401k plan, they're slightly different as well. So many, many, many years, uh, you've been able to take an IRA off of your taxes. So if you go out and you put $1,000 into a traditional IRA, that is a deduction that comes straight off of your income. Now, you also cannot be covered by a retirement plan at your employment. If you are there, you should be contributing to that retirement plan, especially if your employer matches some of what you make a, con- a contribution to. But this year, it's $6,500 to a traditional IRA uh, uh, that you will be able to deduct. And if you're, if you're 50 years and older, there is a $1,000 catch-up clause that you also can can do as well. So if you're 51 years old, you can deduct 7500 for an IRA instead of 6500 Now, a lot of self-employed people also have uh, 401k plans, Roth 401k plans, as well as the individuals uh, who, who work in, in the workforce and have, an IRA, and have a 401k plan that they uh, contribute to. Those, those contributions have increased a little, you now can contribute $22,500 to your 401k plan. And if you are 50 years or older, you can do an additional 7,500. So 50, uh, 49 and below your, your 401k plan is 22,500 50 and above it's $30,000. If you want to do the catch up clause. So remember these things as you are planning throughout the year, when you're trying to figure out what here it is, the first of the year I want to contribute to my 401k plan at my work. And of course, like I said, if you have an employer that's matching, you need to do as much as you possibly can because the match is free money. Um, health savings accounts have became become big over the last decade. And of course, you know, it's pre-tax. So it, it, is, a, it is a good thing and a big thing to do if you're going to have those kind of health insurance uh, needs throughout the year. The maximum con- uh, that you can contribute to a HSA health savings account is $3,850 for an individual, 
2023 and $7,750 for a family. If, if, if you are 55 years or older, not 50, 55 years or older, you can contribute an extra $1,000 to a catch-up contribution to your 401k, uh, to, to your HSA health savings account, excuse me. Our child tax credits, child tax credits are for 2023 for each child. It's $2,000 for a child that's under the age of 17. Now, these are credits. We've been talking about deductions. A credit is big. Uh, Obviously, you love credits more than you do deductions because a $2,000 credit on a child that's under the age of 17, your your tax bill is $8,000. Okay, and I have a child. My tax bill is now $6,000. I have two children. My tax bill is now $4,000. So you can see how those credits are, are very, very good stuff for you. So child tax credit for 2023 for children under the age of 17 is $2,000. Now, remember, the phase-out clause starts at around $400,000 for joint married and filing jointly individuals and $200,000 for single individuals. All right. Other qualified dependents. You're claiming a, you're claiming a parent. Uh, you, you're, you're claiming you're claiming whomever you are other than a child. It's five hundred dollar credit for each of those individuals who live in your house and that you claim on your tax return. A big tax that. Most people don't know anything about it. Let me let me tell you, as my coming on 34 years of experience in the income tax business, it's not something I run into a whole lot either. And it's called the alternate minimum tax. But they still put it on here every year. There's been a lot of lot of conversation at the Congress level and and and, and that to get rid of alternate minimum tax, ATM tax. But it is a tax that continues to affect only mostly households within a, incomes over half a million dollars. Basically, what I've always said it is, it is a tax to make sure that the higher income folks are going to pay some sort of tax, no matter how many deductions they actually have. So ATM, half a million dollars is where you need to be of concern. Of course, uh, there are exemptions that go along with that type of stuff. And that is where you definitely would need to have an income tax prepare professional come into play if you start getting into alternate minimum tax. The estate tax exemption has become even higher as well. Okay. The estate tax and gift exemption, which includes, it also included some inflation that has went on, has rose to $12,920,000 for 2023. Now you have an estate that's worth $5 million. You're, you're covered. You have an estate that's worth $10 million. You're covered, obviously. $12,920,000 being the total. Now, one of the things that people always forget about is that life insurance, even though it's not taxable to the beneficiaries of the life insurance policy, life insurance is factored into your estate when you are figuring up what your estate is worth. So, Remember that as well. Lots of people, uh, you you go out here and they have a couple million dollars worth of life insurance and they don't think about that. And that already puts their estate up there into a category where most people are not familiar with. One of the things I always hear in the business of, of preparing tax returns is I want to take every deduction I can, Jason, but I don't want to get audited. Mm-hmm. I want to pay as little tax as I possibly can, but I want to make enough money to be able to make a loan. 
It's it, it's it's catch twenty two on all these examples. What is it? What is it you want to do? Do you want to get audited? Do you not want to get audited? Let me tell you at MW Writing Company how we operate. We want to help you get every tax deduction coming to you, and we feel that everything that we put on tax returns would be something that we could handle in a United States tax court because. I have been involved all the way to United States tax court, not the audit level, not the appeals level, but at the top level. And I know everything that we do, we can back up. There, there is no such thing as gray when it comes to income taxes. It's black and it's white. You either can or you can't. So I've never been concerned about an IRS audit. I've only had concerned about what I couldn't prove. And what I mean by that is you are at you are at the vulnerability of your client on some things that you put on the tax return because they tell you they have it. They have it on paper. Maybe they even have an invoice, but maybe it doesn't exist. They want to claim a goat farm that they don't really even own or have, but they have the documentation to back that up. That's the only concern I've ever had when it comes to an IRS audit. But I can also tell tell you that on Monday mornings, it's our biggest phone call because IRS love letters always come on Saturday afternoon. I don't know why it is, but and and then you have these uh, clients who are in a in a panic attack for thirty six hours because most people I don't know why IRS equals jail and. No one ever thinks about the fact that if you go to jail, you can't pay your taxes and it costs it costs the country more money to house you and feed you room and board, etc. So. Yes, you could get audited, the 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 chances and the percentages of getting audited are less than they have been during my lifetime, it le- definitely during my time of being a professional and, pre- and preparing tax returns. But here are some of the things that I, I am going to point out. Uh, that you should need to know in case you run into these things. And frankly, I had to go look them up because I don't worry about IRS audits. But I I did go look these up. And with our friends at Charles Schwab, they threw out some things. And and I'm going to give you some of this stuff. Uh, Obviously, the number one is the more money, the more scrutiny. The more money you make, the more scrutinized you're going to be. Uh, A big threshold is $10 million. $10 million and more is roughly audited six times more than individuals with income below. Now, we did talk about some audit stuff here on some previous episodes a few months ago, but $10 million is your more scrutiny threshold. Missing income. This is where I was talking about a while ago at the start of the show today, where we, we jump the gun, we get out here, we go and file our taxes, we forgot about the interest that we're getting from the bank. You know, you, everybody knows they're going to get a W-2 because they have a job. Everybody knows they're going to get a 1099 uh, SSA from Social Security Administration. It's actually SSA 1099. You're going you're to get the, a document showing that your Social Security benefits was for the year. And we, we wait on those. One of the best, best, biggest missed, missed items that we do not put on our taxes is people get in a desperate situation and they have to go cash in retirement. They're less than 59 and a half. So they're going to get hit with the 10% penalty. And when you cash that in, you're going to get a 1099 R and that 1099 R is now income and has to go on your income tax return. And 
You did that last March. So it's out of sight, out of mind. As a matter of fact, you don't even want to remember it because you just had to cash in some retirement. And people forget to put that on their tax return. That is a big source of missing missing income that lots of times is left off a tax return. We've even had in our office, Jason, one of the spouses go cash in some of their retirement and not tell the other spouse. Mm. And the other spouse is in charge of filing the tax returns. Mm. So they do their normal business. They do their normal business. The spouse that always files the taxes comes in, files the taxes. A month or two later, the spouse that never shows up at the office walks in with a 1099-R. She waited till their taxes got filed and came in with a 1099-R so that we could amend the return and put the 1099-R on there. And then asked me how much money it would cost for me to never say a word to her husband. <laughs> I said, well, there's no amount of money that I can do that, and I'm going to amend the return. He still has to sign it. I, I, I don't know what you're going to do with that, but you're going to mail it in. You're going to take it to my office, and obviously my obligations have been met as the tax preparer. Uh, so we did that, and then you put that amended return in their file. And if, if husband or wife show up, want a copy of it, I'm going to give it to them because that's my obligation. Mm. But those are the kind of things you just think you've seen it all until you get up tomorrow. And somebody else is probably going to shock you to death. <laughs> your, 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 your stock contributions, your, your stock distributions, your stock sales, that's another big item that people miss out on on a regular basis, as well as a K-1. You're a part of a little partnership that you threw $5,000 into, let's say, and you forgot all about it. And maybe the person over there is not real uh, uh, spunky on getting the taxes filed and you file in February, March category, they don't file the partnership tax return until September and you get a K-1 from that partnership showing your business income or losses. You have to put that on your tax return. And if you didn't, you have to go back and amend. Uh, Another big deal is large swings in income. And really, you can't really help this one. Because you want to have a large swing in income as it goes up. Now, you go from 100000 to 700000 Obviously, that is a big, large swing in income. It's also a big, large swing in income when you go down. One of the things that the IRS looks for is when your income drops, do they have unemployment benefits on there now? Because they lost their job. That's why they're getting unemployment. That's why their income comes down. All these things tie together. Those are the kind of things that can get you audited or, or won't get you audited. The, the red flag, if you will. So big changes in your income. Be prepared that you may have to come out someday uh, uh, and prove out what your expenses and income is. Uh, another one, a third, the third one on this particular list from Charles Schwab is business losses. Um, the purpose of being in business is to make money. And if yours doesn't, the IRS may want to know why. So IRS takes notice to you losing money year after year after year. Now, in the initial stages of a business, they understand you're going to lose money. But like I say, your, your purpose of setting up a business is to make money. There is no such thing, to my knowledge, that I have ever read, been told, been in a seminar, anything. That old, that old saying, I think I call it the brother-in-law uh, uh, tax, tax class, that you have to make money one out of every three years. 
That does not say anywhere in the IRS tax code that that's the case. What it does, what, what we're trying to do here is make a profit. But if you continue to have a loss and a loss and you can prove those losses, okay, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with you showing a loss on the business as long as you can prove it. However, the IRS will take notice if you continue to lose money year after year after year. Just be prepared for that. Questionable deductions. And we've already went over the charitable deduction uh, situation. A large contribution. Maybe you inherited some money. Uh, maybe whatever the case may be, but a large uh, contribution sometimes gets the notice of the IRS, not because you're making the contribution, because your income doesn't justify it. That's 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 the that's it in itself. But let's just say that your uh, one of one of your parents, uh, uh, your grandparents gave you fifteen thousand dollars every year for five years and you only make thirty thousand dollars a year. And then you come up at the end of whatever year it is, five years down the road, and you make a contribution of $50,000. First of all, you won't be able to deduct it all anyway. But making a $50,000 contribution on a $30,000 income, even though you have records showing where someone had given you a gift every year for the last five years, that's still probably going to become a question. A big one here, everybody wants to go out and get involved in real estate. They're going to go get them a rent house, and they're getting into rental property. And they end up with what we call passive losses on the rental property. So you have to be prepared that I need to charge enough income, rent income, to cover my expenses, such as the the mortgage payment, the interest, the taxes, the insurance. You know, those are the those are the main four things. You've got a no payment, so you're gonna pay principal and interest, then you have your taxes, then you have your insurance. Those are the main things that make up a rental property. Now, you have an unfortunate deal where you got to go put in a new six, seven, eight thousand dollar AC unit. You got to redo the plumbing. Maybe you got to re-level. There's a new roof. Those big expenses, those repairs, uh, they they understand that. They the IRS. But if I'm out here just paying interest and taxes and insurance, and I'm not even collecting enough rent for those things. That's where you could get yourself an opportunity to talk to the IRS. So be be prepared for that as well. They're looking for you, if you're going to be in the rental income business, that you're making at least enough to cover all of your expenses. So passive losses on rental property sometimes become, could become an issue for you if you don't take care of your business. And also, lots of people say, well, I'm, I'm a real estate professional. So I should be able to take whatever I want to take. I'm not just in the a rental business. Well, the IRS set law says that real estate professionals, which that means you spend at least 750 hours a year on such real estate endeavors for you to become a, a real estate professional. Now, what that does is that moves you over to a business tax tax return or the Schedule C on the 1040 business tax return uh, and, and takes you out of passive income. So that is that would be a big deal if... Um, if you're going to become a, tax, uh, a real estate professional and not just a landlord. Um, another big one, now, this only affects you when you have an estate and you have an estate tax return. Um, estate tax returns are very high on the radar for being audited, uh, much higher than individuals, uh, for sure. 1.4% uh, of estate tax returns are audited compared to 
one fifth of a percent of individuals in our on our last numbers that we received from the Internal Revenue Service. And the biggest reason that estates are are audited is because their assets are undervalued. Everybody wants big assets when they're selling and they want small assets when it comes to paying taxes and figuring out what I what I might have to owe tax on. Now, if you were to get audited, here's a, here's a couple things you need to know. There are three different types of audits. One is the correspondence audit where you receive letters in the mail and you respond to those letters with your documents that proves your deduction or proves your income. And that has become a more common audit over the last several years. Uh, The office audit where you actually have to go to the IRS office and meet with a field agent. And usually they book out half a day for you to go through whatever it is that they're wanting to pinpoint down on, such as expenses and the income as well. And then there's the field audit where they actually come to your location, your place of business, your home, and do the audit in your presence. Now, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that's what the audits were all about, was the agents coming to the field. And now I've done all three. Of course, being in business as long as I have, uh, the 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 field audit was great, and now it's more about the correspondence audit. So, what that leads us up to, for every type of audit, the IRS will provide you an advance written request for specific documents that it wants to review. Okay, it's a letter in the mail. The IRS does not call you on the phone. The IRS does not send emails. They spend they send correspondence in the mail. The only time you would ever have someone show up and visit you is if you're being investigated by the criminal investigation division. And we get we in our in our uh, tax office we get one of those type of phone calls uh, every three or four years where. They want to come and they want to visit with you on your client. So they do that. They don't ever tell you who the client is because then you're going to, they're going to have it. You're going to have a heads up on them. So what they do is let's just say, Jason, they were going to criminal investigation division was going to audit you. They're going to come and do an investigation. They will send an auditor or, or CID uh, agents to your house at the same time that CID agents show up at my office. They get your story. They get the preparer story. They get your information. They get the preparer's information. And then they go back and put that together and see if everything ties up. Mm. So only time you're ever going to get to see a face-to-face and shake somebody's hand is if you're being investigated by the criminal investigation division. Other than that, it's all in the mail. There is all kinds of hocus-pocus, phony stuff that comes through your emails and over the phone. People want your social security numbers. People want your date of birth. People want, uh, heck, they'll even ask for your account these days. Don't buy into any of that stuff. If you do, you're probably going to get what you're going to get, and it's not going to be very good. Okay, as always, 
Money Motivation Mike, trying to bring you information that will be important to you, I believe, today, due to the fact that we know death and taxes are two things that are probably guaranteed uh, in, in this world. Uh, we, we cover the tax part today, and we always try to do that and bring you information. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, as always. Info at mx3.vip, and of course, find us at mx3.vip or, or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at mx3podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the icon bell to get notified of all of our content, which comes out every Monday morning. And of course, um, my profession at MW Wright & Company, LLC. You can call us uh, at 903-463-3121, or you can email me at mike at mwrightco.com for any of your tax questions, comments, etc. And we can handle your needs anywhere in the continental United States. So once again, for everyone who's been a part of this show, continue to live your life the right way. 